0: Welcome to the Parenting in Uniform podcast. My name is Claudia. I became a mom after 16 years of active duty service. That's when I discovered the disparity in knowledge amongst our military leaders concerning service members who are pregnant, postpartum, breastfeeding, and just dealing with military life while balancing families at home. I hope this podcast helps to enlighten us all on parenting while serving our nation. Hello, everybody. Today, we are going to be talking about schools, promotions, and being a mom while getting it all done. And our special guest is Sergeant First Class Maisha Boston. So welcome, Sergeant Boston.
1: Thank you, ma'am. Thank you for having me today. You're
0: welcome. I actually grew up in Boston, in that Boston area, so I've never met anybody with the last name.
1: <laughs> I feel like it's pretty unique, but it's kind of fun to have. It's always easy to say Boston like Massachusetts, and then people know how to spell your name. Right. Right. <laughs> So tell us a little bit about your Army background. Yeah, so originally I joined the National Guard back in 2007, and that was to pay for college. That was my motivation. I grew up with a single parent, and we grew up pretty poor. So I knew that paying for college wasn't an option. Um, she couldn't afford it. So I joined the National Guard, did the whimsical, fell in love, got married. It didn't work out, and I switched active duty in 2009 when my son was five months old at the time. And so I've had five duty stations. I've been at Fort Campbell, been to Maryland twice, Illinois. And uh, now I'm currently at Fort Bragg, North Carolina. And I now have two additional children. So I have the 12 year old now, a four year old, and then an 11 month old currently. Oh, And HR by trade. So uh, I've been in human rights my entire career.
0: Excellent. So this is a good topic for you, not only because you've experienced it, but you're also HR, so you understand the promotions and, and everything that goes into that. Absolutely. So can you tell us a little bit about your experience? You know, once you ha- you ended up, you have three kids, you know, in the Army and, and you have made it up to a, a senior rank as well. So how, you know, what have been some of your challenges that you've had to navigate around?
1: Yeah. So for most of my career, I've been a single parent and it's not easy, you know, between deployments, trainings, field exercises, your, your family care plan is always at the forefront of every command's mind. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so being in the army, I've been fortunate enough to meet individuals that have just kind of become my village. I always say it takes a village to raise a family, regardless of whether you're married or not. And so I've just been fortunate enough to have people that have loved on my children like their own and supported me through deployments, schools, training exercises to help me get to where I am. So very grateful. I mean, even my first NCO in the Army is still now. She's like a second mom to me. So uh, Sergeant Hunt, she's now retired, but <laughs> it started from there. And yeah, I've just been fortunate everywhere I've gone. So and yeah, you, it's, you're at Fort Bragg. So are you also on jump status? I am. I I actually went to airborne school in 2018. So I was a staff sergeant at the time. And it was funny. Prior to coming to Fort Bragg, I always said, you couldn't pay me to jump out of airplanes, but I was going to be a platinum leg because we know we call non-airborne people legs. But so i was going to be a platinum leg for life. And then I got to Fort Bragg and drank the Kool-Aid and now I'm hopping out of airplanes.
0: Oh, yeah. I did it for 10 years. And I am still surprised that I loved it as much as I did. But, you know, I, I, have to, I left Fort Bragg because I thought it's too difficult to be there and be a new parent because I was pregnant when I PCS'd out of Fort Bragg and I didn't want to have to worry about the night jumps because there are a lot of night jumps with timelines that you don't really know what time you're going to get home. You know, in the wee early morning hours, and then also the the rapid deployment always being on standby, you never really know mm-hmm. it, and you know, and I did go to work one day and ended up in another country that night without even knowing it <laughs> that that yeah. was that happened to me mm-hmm. yeah, and I just you know I knew I didn't have family close by, and I certainly had friends, but they were also a lot of times in facing the same you know challenges with the the op tempo that was they're constantly on the go. Yeah. So how has that uh, affected you as far as finding your network of support as, because you said you've been to five duty stations, that's a lot of moving.
1: Yeah. So I, I joke, but it's been pretty much a duty station every two years. If you break it apart, though, some I have stayed longer than two years and then some have been shorter, but I think again, it's just, for me, it's been strategic in that I try to set myself up for success. So when I look at my next assignment, which, you know, sometimes you don't have this fortune, uh, but I try to be strategic of, okay, is this a good location for me? Do I know individuals in the area? Do I have the support that I need? And sometimes you won't have that choice. The Army's going to move you regardless. But if if I have any say so, I try to control my career and where I'm going so that I have that network that I need to, be successful because Mm -hmm. I don't, you know, this is my livelihood for my kids and I don't ever want them to be the excuse for why I, you know, I can't progress in my career. And then also where I, why I can't be an active parent in their life, because that's important to me too. You know, balancing work life and home life is vital because you can't get that time back with your kids either. Right. But you need it for your own sanity as well. Your own mental wellness. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So it's a balance, but uh, what i would say is that when you when you have those choices especially as a single parent if you have say so to to be strategic about it look at that what are your assignments that are available you know what does your network look like where do you think you're going to be most successful having that you need, and then balancing the two, right? So, desire versus being realistic, right? You know, some people would never want to be at Fort Bragg or Fort Campbell or Fort. Le- you know, like you have those duty times that people dread or think they're going to be horrid experiences. But if that's where you're going to have the support that you need, then that's probably where you need to go. <laughs> right.
0: So, tell us about your experience going to military schools because you have progressed in rank pretty quickly. Actually, you've done really well, and um, yeah. yeah. So, how have you been able to attend those schools and get those promotions has do you
1: feel like it slowed you down at all having kids actually no i say the the only stall in my career was getting to ALC and so I was fortunate enough when I got to US Transcom in Illinois my sergeant first class at the time uh, sergeant Aaron I let him know I said hey you know I've been very patient but I need I need this school so I can promote um, to sergeant you know and to staff sergeant and he, he was like, Hey, you know, look it up. We'll get to 4187 in. And, um, I went to ALC. now backtracking, um, just being junior, I tried not to steer away from school. So I remember I was with EOD first initially, and we got all these combative slots. So I went to combative level one and level two and level three to become a combatives instructor and certify people at my unit and things like MRT sharp. When I've, been to my NCOS, I've been fortunate enough to get commandants and distinguished leader in both AOC and SLC just to kind of set myself apart from my peers. And so trying to find that diversity, I would say, you know, a lot of times we're like, oh, I don't want to do, you know, those annoying jobs of mobile retention or UPL or even being, you know, a victim advocate. I'd say find things that you're passionate about, but also don't steer away from the hard challenges. You know, that that's, what sets you apart, mm-hmm. um, and then also it diversifies you as a leader because you get a larger breadth of knowledge. And so, not just being an expert in my MOS by trade, being HR, but if people have questions or need help with coping strategies, being MRT certified that helps, right? Or being able to guide victims, being you know a sharp rep now, being able to provide that advice and. Uh, uh, autonomy with my confidentiality to be able to talk to people and so uh, I just say one find the things that you're passionate about because you're going to pour yourself into it but then also look for those hard challenges because that's what sets you apart from your peers you know that's and true. then just with your job just <laughs> give it your all don't don't settle for people giving you answers especially in my craft a lot of times people want to look for the easy answer, you know, learning where to reference things. You may not always know the answer, but knowing a regulation to go to, to find your answer. Right. And if you absolutely can't find it, then reaching out and having that network of support, but don't always look for the easy button, challenge yourself, try to become that subject matter expert in whatever you've been given as a, as a job or a responsibility. Right.
0: And, you know, I feel like the only people who really stay in the same sort of niche job, throughout their career would be warrant officers. But even with warrants, they've had their time as a non-commissioned officer beforehand where they experienced all of that great diversity of different jobs and assignments and additional duties and things like that. But you're right, you do need to also be brave enough to try and find the regulations and, and do your own research. So you're not dependent on everybody, but you mentioned a few acronyms and I just wanted to get, like, say them out loud. ALC, that's the advanced leader course, right?
1: Yep. And then senior leader course, the MRT is the master resiliency training course. And And then SHARP. Yep. Sexual harassment, assault response and prevention. So uh, Mm -hmm. serving as whether that's a victim advocate or a SARC, but in the program, we know that that's a big push in the army right now. It's sad. Under what circumstances, but I'm glad that it's gaining the momentum that it is to bring about effective change for potential victims and clients. I think we're going to see a lot of
0: changes coming up this year. You know, absolutely right? for all things sharp. Absolutely, we need it. Can you talk a little bit about uh, the promotion process if you are pregnant? So, say you're pregnant or a new mother, and you want to go to a school before it if you're pregnant, you were
1: barred from going to that school. Is that right? Yeah. So, excuse me, sorry. I'll talk about my experience more recently to where it, it was, it was something that I knew happened, but I wasn't abreast to the impact until it affected me directly. And so I got pregnant with my now 11 month old in 2019 and At that same time, I was getting looked at for starting first class, and so I was pregnant at the time that I did my DA photo and everything, and I was selected um, number three out of 378 in my MOS, and so I had a school date for January, but that was my due date month, so I couldn't attend, and so looking at that, I saw how much it was going to delay me, so when you look at schools, yes, you cannot attend if you're pregnant, and especially with certain MOSs, when you look at things like chemical or EOD, the exposures, it's too high risk. So for HR, that's not applicable. But then when you look at things like APFT, you can't can't do that because you're pregnant. So I couldn't attend. Uh, And so looking at that, looking at the promotions reg, nowhere did it talk about pregnancy. And so I just saw it as as a disparity in that it was a very gender specific bias. And not saying that it was intentional on the army's part, but women serve now, women get pregnant. How do we support through that to where we're not significantly affecting their career like there's women hitting their retention control points women deciding to take family care plan chapters or pregnancy chapters because they don't see a light at the end of the tunnel of getting through pregnancy getting through recovery getting to school and promoting they just see it as a roadblock and there's no way to get through it and so I started to talk about it, talking to individuals. I I had a college student that was doing a survey that reached out to me asking if they could use some of my talking points. But what I tried to highlight was at a, at a minimum before this policy change, women were delayed 15 months, nine months pregnancy, six months postpartum profile. Then you have to get a school date. Then depending on how long your school is, attending school, graduating, and then depending on what time of the month for enlisted that you graduated, whether you were going to promote the first of that next month or whether it could be months, uh, even two months down the road, if they were picking somebody up in your MOS that month. So when you look at things like that, and especially in my case, so I got promoted top 1% in my MOS, and then I had to wait to promote. And I had people that were further down on the list know fault to them but getting promoted ahead of me and so with this merit-based promotion system then to me it was ineffective right so I was competitive amongst my peers but it meant nothing at the end of the day because I was pregnant and had a baby mm-hmm. and so with with talking about it and talking to other seniors I was very glad to see the temporary promotions come about because that was one of my two codes that I presented was either a backdated promotion. So once you could attend PME, you'd backdate based off of what your OML number was. Or, oh, excellent. Yeah. Or the temporary promotions, which was, hey, you have a no later than date to complete your PME based off of recovery. Right. And what I also highlighted was this 15 months is based off of the PFT. Now we're looking at the ACFT with the 12 month recovery that they have now. Mm-hmm. You're talking about a minimum of 21 months that a woman would potentially be delayed
0: Uh, that
1: is egregious especially when you look at somebody that maybe you know they've just been delayed for whatever reasons in their career and they're pushing that retention and control point and then you add a two-year delay on top of that and so I had to try to stress to some leaders because I would still get the oh well it's army wanted you to have a family they would have you know give you one (laughs) right (laughs) You hear that all the time. Mm -hmm. So educating them, you know, like, would you say that to your spouse, you know, or if you're dual military, and your wife is going through a disparity, would you still have that same uh, stance? And so I was, I was very proud (laughs) to see that we've come so far that leaders listened, and that we're headed in the right direction for that equality, so that women don't see it as an impassable roadblock, right? And that, they know they can still be competitive amongst their peers and they can have a family and they can be a mom and they can be successful
0: exactly so and and a lot of women in that 15 to 20 month 21 month delay period that you mentioned a lot of people get pregnant for the second time or third time you know like they they have another baby in that window yeah yeah and so to think that it would get delayed 30 to 42 months is outrageous because meanwhile they These, you know, these women, these new moms, they are going to work and they are doing their job and they've already proven they have the potential for promotion. And that's what the whole point of an OER or an NCOER is, is to rate, uh, you know, determine promotion based on their potential. Right. Um, So, yeah. And so at that point, you've proven it. You're number three out of what was it? 378 yes oh
1: my goodness (laughs) yeah that was that was humbling you know I I wanted to be competitive Mm -hmm. I didn't think I'd be that competitive um but it just it was confirmation that my hard work was paying off right because it's not easy as a single parent I know people tell me oh you make it look so easy and I'm like no it's not easy and it's exhausting you know and it's emotionally draining some days and the amount of sacrifice between deployments and you know schools and now that I've hit the senior rank. I've kind of adjusted my style in that I still have career goals, but I'm also placing more emphasis on my kids and my family because there are times that I've missed and things that I can't get back. Right. So just soaking in that little extra time with the babies. But one thing I would stress to moms too, is don't, don't make your kids or like pregnancy an excuse in that, you know, if you have legitimate injuries or significant things going on, like bring that to the forefront, Mm -hmm. but don't use that as a crutch to where we give them an excuse of, like you said, you know, oh, pregnancy, they automatically assume you're just incapable, right? Or, oh, you're a single parent, you're going to be incapable. Prove them wrong, right? Like that's, they get that assumption because of, maybe one bad apple of, you know, I'm just going to, as they like to say, milk the system. And that may not have been their intent, but that's the impression that that leader got. Right? right. But that's not the majority. So show them what the majority is, which is I am just as capable as my counterparts just because I'm a mother, just because I'm pregnant does not discount me from progressing in my career and meeting those goals that I want and being an effective leader. Mm -hmm.
0: And so you talked about the two courses of action that you kind of brought to the forefront, either backdating a promotion, or offering the temporary promotion. um, And, you know, up until the point when you have like a no later than date, right, to complete your professional military education that's required for that promotion. Mm -hmm. And that's the COA that ended up being selected.
1: Yes and it sounds like it's still being worked I know it's it's not solidified yet it's uh like a temporary so it sounds like they're still working to what the best resolution is going to be long term um but I think just having even started that conversation and seeing things start to come to fruition uh, that is that it's acknowledged the disparity and and that we can do better to support Uh, are women in retention. Like I said, their retention is a huge thing because a lot of women choose to get out at that point because they don't see them being able to progress in their career. That you know, it's going to be so long that it's not worth it at that point to them.
0: Right, because you almost feel like you're being punished for becoming a mom. Right. Right. As you see other people being promoted ahead of you who, you know, did not have such a great order of merit list number,
1: as well. It's very frustrating. Yeah. And and so for me, and and when, when I went about this, when I started the chatter, I was actually still pregnant. I, I started talking about it very early on, as soon as the list came out and I didn't expect it and it didn't positively impact me. But what I'll, what I'll tell people and challenge people is, is when you identify a problem, and you can find tangible solutions. Start the conversation. It doesn't need to be in a toxic manner. You know, like yeah, I was frustrated. I'm not going to negate that. You know, but I got I pushed past that. Okay, I'm frustrated about it. It's a problem. It's not right. So how do we go about fixing it? Mm-hmm. And bring a problem to the table. Also bring solutions. You don't have to be a staffs aren't promotable to do this. You know, if you're a PFC and you identify something regulatory or wise that is wrong that needs to be fixed bring it to the forefront, bring solutions, and and even work through them, right? So some people talk different codes with me, like, okay, how do we go about fixing this? Challenge your thought processes, right? So when we talk about backdating a promotion, what all goes into that, right? Versus a temporary promotion, okay, if somebody doesn't complete their PME by that date, or like you said, hey, if a woman gets pregnant again, and they're on that temporary promotion, how does that work? So you've worked through a lot of the issues when you're bringing your solutions to the table as well, right? Like, hey, I've thought about this. These are the only challenges that I find with this resolution. i thought about this. These are the disparities I found with this course of action. You're just saying bring tangible. I heard you say bring
0: tangible solutions.
1: Oh, okay. So what I was saying was, is that when we look at seniors, you know, at the Pentagon or the G1 or promotions branch, right? Like they're dealing with problems every day. And so by bringing those solutions to the table, like you've helped begin at least solving the problem, right? Versus just adding to the plate of things they need to fix.
0: Because even though you might have, I think the biggest thing here is that this applies to any rank as well. So you might feel very timid because maybe you're just in E2 or an E4 and you don't believe that you, you have the ability to, you know, bring this to a senior leader's attention, but it's your job to do that as well. And you're doing it for other you know, other moms out there, other parents in general. Um, and then also bringing recommendations is important because it does get the ball rolling. You know, as a senior leader, senior leaders are presented numerous problems every day and it's exhausting. So if, if they're also provided some recommendations, well, you just made that easier for them to kind of work start working through.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then I think also, like you said, so as an E2, E3, that's intimidating, but then us as leaders by giving our soldiers that autonomy in that, in that younger grade. So my junior HR reps, Hey, you're the awards clerk, for instance, right? This is your baby run with it. Right. And it gives them that ownership, and autonomy to function in their craft that starts to build that confidence to be able to come forward when, Hey, maybe it's my awards clerk. That's, Hey, I've been in this regulation and identified X problem. Okay. Boom. Okay. What are solutions to this problem? And then they've brought it to my attention and then I can elevate it if necessary, if it's something that, Hey, yes, this needs to be fixed. And so we can develop that in our subordinates by giving them that autonomy and ownership so that they take pride in in whatever craft they have, so that when they identify those problems, they are comfortable speaking up.
0: And as far as the the course of action of providing the temporary promotions, is that in effect already, right now?
1: So it it did. So starting January is when it uh, took effect. Yep, so January of 2021. So I look forward to seeing it come to fruition and seeing what it grows into. I'm very proud that we identified yes this is a problem and we're gonna we're gonna fix it and so
0: yes yeah. and you should also be very proud that you're at the forefront of this so thank you very much and you know all the moms <laughs> behind you definitely owe you one for that one
1: <laughs> <laughs> it takes a village again so like it just does. starting the conversation starting surveys on you know the army mom life page the acp mm-hmm. page i just wanted to see you know I just put out surveys, how many women have had their promotions, career progression impacted by pregnancy. And it was astonishing. I think, I think when I did the summation, it was over 70% of the women um, in those groups had their careers impacted because they became mothers. And so that was significant to me, like, okay, so I'm not a unicorn, you know, so how do we fix, because, because I want the retention, right? Like, You can be a hard-charging soldier and be a mom. We know that all day long, right? And so I don't want to have to choose between my kids and my career because, of course, I'm going to choose my kids every time, and that's what we see women get out because I'm going to choose my family. Mm -hmm. I don't want you to choose. I want you to be a soldier as you want to be, and I want you to be the best mom too, right? You can do both. You can do both. And so it sends that message, yes, you can do both, and we're going to support you to do both. Right. Uh, So it was... Instrument. I mean, it's, it's phenomenal. I'm so proud of I'm so proud of us as an army, right? Progress and progress takes time and it's frustrating, but any progress is better than no progress in my eyes. So.
0: Absolutely. One step at a time.
1: Well, you have provided
0: some amazing tidbits of advice for everybody listening, senior leaders, as well as Armos Jr. Enlisted. So I, I very much appreciate your time. And I know it's time for you to get back to your children. And But before you do, is there anything else you'd like to mention to the
1: audience? I would just say keep after it for, you know, not just directing it just to women, but since we're talking about being a mother, like keep after it day after day, take it one day at a time. You know, there will be days you're exhausted and there will be days that you're exhilarated, you know, and you can do both. You can be an amazing soldier. You can hit those career progression marks that you want. You can go to those fun and challenging schools. You can be a phenomenal leader and then you can come home at the end of the day and you can be an amazing mother and reach out when you need that mental health, when you need that support you know, like I said, it takes a village. Don't be afraid to ask for help. There are times that we just need a break and that's okay too.
0: Right. And you you mentioned the army, my army mom life Facebook page. Yes.
1: Yes. Yes. I'm, I'm so glad to be an admin and a part of that. I think that it started so much great conversation because we always talk about our careers, but also looking at balancing that life. And I think that a lot of women have been able to find that support and encouragement. And so if you're not a part of the page, but you're an army mom and you just want that community of women, uh, I would encourage you to join the page. It is a very positive environment where people can come and ask those hard questions and receive mentorship, positive mentorship. And uh, I think it's a great thing, but yeah, just keep after it women. I'm proud of you. I'm proud to serve alongside of you. It is not an easy feat to, to balance both, uh, but you're doing it every day. So keep after it.
0: Great. And if there are any sailors, Marines, airmen listening, start your own page as well, because it is a fantastic resource. And, you know, it's it's great to know you're part of a community as a military mom.
1: I was going to say thank you so much again for having me today. Happy holidays. I hope you have a wonderful Christmas and new year with your family. And you too.
0: And this will come out after January. So uh, probably February. Okay. <laughs> All right. All right. Thanks so much. Thank you. Bye. If you enjoy this podcast, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts and share it with someone who can benefit from this information. You can also follow the Parenting in Uniform Facebook page to stay up to date on the latest news related to military parents and families. Thank you for listening. This podcast has no affiliation with the Department of Defense, nor any of the military units or organizations mentioned. This podcast is for information only. Statements and views made by guests are not necessarily those of the host, and no statements should be construed as fact or medical advice.